0: Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we have a ton of stories to talk about, including how it's now legal for you to unlock your phone, Verizon throttling their 4G Unlimited. Uh, We talk about the Amazon Fire Phone being a bit of a stinker. We also talk about Amazon Payments, Comixology DRM3, uh, the new Foursquare, and some great podcast picks. It's all coming up on Don't Panic, so stay tuned. This is Don't Panic, episode number 57, recorded July 28th, 2014, on Fire Phone Failure, Unillegal Unlocking, and Comics Set Free. Hello and welcome to another edition of Don't Panic, the technology podcast that talks about technology on a podcast. I'm Sean Jennings, and they are the fish and chips of technology. That would be Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau. Uh Guys, what is up?
1: If... I have a question. If we're the fish and chips, does that mean you're the tartar sauce?
0: That's, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I like tartar sauce.
0: I, that's, that may be the episode title. I like tartar sauce. <laughs> uh, that's a
2: good one. You, will, you have not had fish and chips until you've had it in a, uh, a place once uh, ruled by or colonized by the British Empire.
0: See Dan, I thought you were gonna say some Brooklyn hipster thing and be like, "You haven't had till you've had no, no, it in no, no, a no. in a crate oh, no, no, no. or some crazy." Oh, no, no, no,
2: you can't. No, you can't get good fish and chips in the United States.
0: All right, that's the Sorry. right answer. So Sean and I were talking
2: before the show started, unless we want to keep talking about fish and chips. Well, uh, you you uh,
1: you said you can't have good fish and chips in in a place that wasn't colonized by the British, but like. We've, we've all had fish and chips in places that were colonized by the British.
2: Yes, and it's been good, right? Oh, yeah. you're saying the United States?
1: <laughs> oh, I thought you said you can't get good fish and chips in the United States.
2: You can't. But the except the United States Oh, it, oh, never mind. I, I think you, you're
0: yeah, overthinking yeah, this. both forget. of you. All right,
2: all right, all right. Anyways, we can cut that out in <laughs> post now that we're doing post-production. <laughs> i <laughs> it <was kind> of <laughs> cool. entire it's very optimistic
0: there. of you to think I'd put in the effort. Uh...
2: <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about the Netflix book that Sean thought I had recommended to him, but really he just started reading it for no reason. So, of course, I went on Amazon and looked up the Netflix book. But the third result for Netflix book is a book entitled Teddy Roosevelt is Dead, Mystery, Thriller, and Suspense Novel. One thing that's hilarious is the description has JavaScript in it. But the other thing that's hilarious is a review, a couple down. The title of the review is A Story of Murder. Allow me to do a dramatic reading. Peter Freisen is murdered. Jessie Monroe, a journalist, becomes involved because her friend Emma, wife of the deceased, is the prime suspect. Can Jessie save Emma from arrest and solve the crime? Her investigation puts her in danger. Her assertive personality, parentheses, a little bullheaded, Leads her into what turns out to be a double murder. Perhaps she is not as good an investigator as she believes she is. But, again, maybe she is. This is a straightforward, quickly moving telling of murder. A story with convincing dialogue and interesting characters. It is a short novel, but a fun read, so enjoy. Reviewed by the author of The Children's Story, a novel not for children, about good and evil. Yes, a story of murder. (laughs) <laughs> it's a straightforward, quickly moving telling of murder. I don't know. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> she might not be as good an investigator as she thinks she is, but then again, maybe she is. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Who am I to say? All right. Anyways, technology. What, what do we got here, Sean?
0: There are so many terrible books on Kindle Singles. Their whole like top ten list dedicated to like. Fan fiction and like I had sex with Bigfoot and all kinds of like just crazy because anyone can publish anyone can publish. (laughs) You heard it here
1: first, Sean, folks. Sean had sex with Bigfoot.
0: I and I I wrote a Kindle (laughs) single about it.
2: So how much money did you make? I mean, that's not that far off from Twilight at that
0: point. No, and and believe it or not, people do charge for books like that. Like Twilight? No, like I had sex with Bigfoot. Oh. Uh, It's very disturbing, but that's beside the point. We're not here to talk about crazy things on the internet, though we may. Uh, We're going to talk about technology. Um, I'll remind everyone out there, we do the show live every Monday night at 10pm Eastern, 7pm Pacific on our website, don'tpanic.io. You can tweet along if you're watching live. I apologize, I know the video is kind of... Garbled today I'm having internet issues But we won't let that stop us If you are watching, hashtag don't panic show us how you can interact with us Uh, And of course get the episodes after the fact on iTunes, Stitcher, RSS And on YouTube where you can subscribe to the video Every week in HD Uh, What story you guys HD, the highest definition Uh, What would you guys like to talk about first?
2: (sighs) Unlocking phones now legal again? Was it illegal? I thought it was legal a long time ago well, that it's
0: now legal again.
2: When did it become illegal?
0: Well, Dan, I'm glad you asked. So, right. uh, the House of Representatives uh, unanimously passed a bill this week uh, legalizing cell phone unlocking. The Senate has already passed it, and uh, President Obama is expected to sign it into law. Uh, the bill, known as the Unlocking Consumer Choice and Wireless Competition Act, um, allows customers and third party to legally unlock phones that were received through a carrier. Um... The carriers have always been able to unlock phones, but until recently, they had convoluted and arbitrary rules governing if and when they would actually unlock one. So, so technically, as far as I understand this, it never was illegal. This just prevents carriers from being real jerks about it and not allowing you to switch carriers.
1: I see. Gotcha.
0: The agre- oh, that's, that's nice. The agreement is a direct response to a petition uh, on the Library of Congress's decision not to renew language within the DMCA that legalized unlocking. So, if I understand this, the DMCA at some the point. The Digital Millennium
2: Copyright Act.
0: Oh, you're so good with acronyms, Dan. Uh, back in December of 2013, the DMCA uh, part of the law. That legalized unlocking expired, therefore making it able for the carriers to be jerks about it. At that time, Library of Congress, why they're in charge of this, I have no idea. I guess it's the Copyright Act, uh, decided to uh, not renew the language and allow carriers to have control. With this law, it locks carriers out and allows consumers choice. Does that make sense? I got you. So it was legal, and then it wasn't made illegal. It was just allowed the carriers to be very controlling and not allow you to do it. And now it prevents the carriers from locking you out. Um, This legislation will not permanently allow legal phone locking, however. The rule is reconsidered by the Library of Congress once again in 2015 and every three years after. Which is kind of irritating.
2: Huh. Well, I'm stymied.
1: Why why? Why why is that? Why? What are they Huh? Why? What? <laughs> why why what? Why why, why you know, Sean why? We visited every three years after? Why?
0: Apparently that's how the DMCA works under the Library of Congress. Certain parts of the law are revisited at certain points.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't want the DMCA to be signed in for life, right?
0: Well, it's a. It's I'm not a... entirely sure
1: what it does. So,
0: <laughs>
2: welcome, <laughs> welcome to everywhere, Colby. You've never seen those like DMCA takedown requests? That's it's yes. like I, I, it's copyright on the internet. How does it work? And the short version yeah, is
0: the short version is that the DMCA was a law created when the internet was kind of first getting into its own and Napster and all that. And they just kind of threw a lot of extra things in there that didn't really belong, like phone unlocking, which what that has to do with copyright protection, I'm not quite sure. Um, so they just threw a lot of things in there, and that's kind of an issue. Uh, and why phone unlocking falls under the Library of Congress.
2: Another- um, yeah, it's another good question.
0: Yeah uh any other thoughts on that
2: not
1: really consumer choice I'm yay
0: carriers am. boo
1: mm-hmm.
0: makes sense Works uh for me very good uh next story i want to talk about this comiXology uh, i've recommended yeah. it on the show before i'm a big fan uh probably one of the best if not the best ways to get your digital comics made a big announcement at San Diego Comic-Con this week that users can now uh, have DRM-free backups of some of their comics. Uh, this is interesting because a while back, they switched when they were purchased by Amazon, they switched off of using in-app purchases through iOS, and you now have to do it through their website. People were concerned that they would lose comics or who own their comics. Well, uh, they've announced partnering with certain publishers, none of which are major, although Image Comics is relatively large, uh, and a few other smaller ones, that uh, backups are available in high def PDF NCBZ file, which I'm not familiar with, uh, and can be downloaded from your My Book section of the That's a, a website. That's
2: compressed, a compressed open standard for this stuff, apparently. See, this is why you guys are here. Um, I heard about it on the morning show today. Thank you. I'm Sean.
0: behind. You're so smart. Uh, now, this is interesting to me because. I was thinking about it, and I said, well, this is good. More and more companies are doing this. You know, music these days is mostly DRM-free. You download the MP3. It wasn't that way. Now it is. Um, Movies, not quite there yet. But I thought about the difference between music and comic books when it comes to protecting your content. And to me, the reason why music the music industry decided to go with the DRM-less model was because it was so easy for people to rip music. I mean, that's really what impacted the music industry was that it was really easy. You just put a CD in, or worst case scenario, you plugged your cassette player into your computer and, you know, ripped it that way. I mean, it was really easy. What's interesting to me is if I wanted to pirate a comic book, I would have to sit there and physically scan each page, right? I mean, it's not Um, like there's a super easy way to just snap and do it.
2: Unless you're Google.
0: (laughs) Yeah, unless I have a robot that just sits and scans pages all day. Um, So what's interesting to me is I would be curious to see what the piracy difference is between people who buy DRM-free music and people who buy DRM-free comic books. Because I think there's a lot more of incentive for A, people to look for pirated copies, and B, for people to share them. Because they're not as easy to come by as music. And they're more expensive.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense. That seems legit.
2: Colby, have you ever used Comixology? I haven't.
1: I I I downloaded it once when Sean said it was cool, but <laughs>
2: um, well, I'm I'm that's, you...
1: that's almost using it. I'm glad you were listening. Yeah. <laughs> I think I I downloaded like one or two of the free comics and read them, and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I mostly like I don't like reading things on my iPad. Uh. So, I just
0: don't. At all, you don't read books or anything.
1: Not on my iPad. I have a oh, Kindle. I was about to say you it's have right a Kindle.
0: Ooh,
2: <laughs> such antiquated technology.
1: Yeah, I have a really old Kindle.
2: <laughs> uh, has anyone ever read uh comic books on the Kindle app for the iPad? Uh, can you do that? Yeah. And it works pretty well, like, it has integration, so if you tap on a panel, it, like, makes that panel full screen.
0: Oh, Comixology, uh, does a similar thing, their, their guided view, um, technology is a similar concept, but I didn't realize, I have to imagine Amazon can't be doing that much longer now that they own Comixology.
2: Why not do both? I don't know. That's always Amazon strategy. Why not do both? <laughs> Why not do everything? They are uh, anyways, I was just wondering if there's a big reason to use Comixology other than the uh Amazon uh Kindle app.
0: To me, the big advantage was the in app purchases. Honestly. Right. It was that instant right. gratification. It's such a pain in the ass because I'll get like an email on my phone, oh Comixology's running a sale, and then I have to go to my computer, sit down, and buy it. And that's such a pain in the ass. Um and I, and I understand the reason why they don't want to give thirty percent of every sale to Apple. I mean, so be it, but I don't know. That that really irritates me. Yeah, but it's a fine app. It gets the job done. I've also, and I recommend it as well in the show Marvel Unlimited as well, which is their kind of all-you-can-eat Netflix-style comic subscription.
2: Um, and that and also there are a couple a couple of those comic companies have that.
0: Yeah, as well. they're moving. To, of course, it's all back catalog, but it's good stuff. And if you're into comic books, it's worth the you know ten bucks a month or so if you're really going you to read like, it. Yeah,
2: 50 years of comics to read, you know, that's not that bad.
0: And honestly, I'd rather pay for (laughs) something like Marvel Unlimited than Kindle Unlimited, really. Yeah. I feel like I'd get through a lot more comic (laughs) books than regular books.
1: I can agree with that. That's totally That's
2: a good point. Maybe I'll have to try that.
0: Yeah, and even if you just pay for the first month and don't like it, you can cancel it. I I just... The other day, I just let my Hulu Plus subscription lapse, because I, yes. wasn't, I wasn't using it, um, and their stuff sucks. And I didn't like <laughs> their apps, and I didn't want to watch their commercials, and I didn't use it, so I said, screw you. Fair enough. Um, yeah,
2: Hulu's the worst. I. Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty cool when they started. It's not that bad, I guess. I'd rather pay for Hulu than pay for... Uh, Cable. Cable. Cable, yeah. But back in the day, didn't it used to be that a Hulu was free, yeah? But it had commercials, and if you paid, you got rid of the commercials. Was that no. ever true? No, they no. always had commercials. But then everything just became subscription only, but the commercials were still there, right?
0: Yeah, which was really and, kind of BS. Yeah, we we talked about this
2: yeah many times yeah um
0: it, it's all about patience right if you need to have tv the next day after it airs you have to get hulu but if you're willing to wait until the season's over and it gets on netflix then you're fine so um you know why don't we we have a bunch of amazon news yeah, why, let's why, don't we, do it. why don't we talk about amazon uh we talked previously on this show about the amazon fire phone uh amazon's first foray into the smartphone market well the reviews are out uh, and they've come in. And the news is not great. <laughs> um, pretty Could've universal. Told you that. People have called it at best a mediocre smartphone. Um, and certainly a poor attempt at a smartphone by Amazon. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to just read you a little piece of um, what The Verge had to say about it. They say, you know, they scored a 5.9 out of 10. Uh, which is extremely low for a smartphone. They said it tastes good pictures, solid battery life, um, and cool ideas, but a confusing complex interface, not surprising with the head tracking 3D, bland, boring design, uh, ugly software, and smartphones shouldn't just be stores, which is really kind of what it is. So they say yeah. uh, Amazon's consumption-first <laughs> approach works on tablets for watching and reading and shopping, but tablets are for fun. Smartphones are for work, for life. They're not toys, they're tools. Amazon doesn't understand that, and the Fire Phone doesn't reflect it. Amazon's first smartphone is a series of interesting ideas in a package that is somehow less than the sum of its parts.
2: Huh. I mean... Yeah, Yeah, the, the software is the real killer here, I think. It just looked so complicated and unnecessary... It, I think the, the device itself was fine It got really good like In terms of the industrial design It got good marks on that The camera was good and the battery life was good mm-hmm. It's just the software
0: Well I, I will say of the hardware though It did get one of the lowest iFixit scores In their history uh, As far as repairability But not who like anyone Who repairs
2: their smartphones
0: Someone must The iPhone users <laughs> who drop and smash their phones They don't because <laughs> I see them all the time that is funny. They don't repair them. Because it's not exorbitantly expensive to replace the glass.
2: How expensive is it?
0: On iFixit, I was looking at this the other day. It's, I think, like 50 bucks for the for the glass, and they give you a kit and all the instructions.
1: That's if you do it yourself, though. Yeah, well, but, yeah, and it takes, mind. like, 20 just, minutes. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, I would never do that myself.
1: Yeah, but, but it, the, to to get it done is way more expensive, I think.
2: Oh yeah, how it's, much more expensive is it to get it done? I think it's easily a hundred, depending on who does it and where you have it done. And, yeah, yeah. I would never do it myself though, because if you get one like bit of dust beneath your screen, you're totally screwed. Um, I, yeah, but it's I don't know.
0: From everything I've read, as long as you're not an idiot and you follow the instructions, it's not like heart surgery. As long as you're not an idiot
2: and you follow...
0: That's a lot to ask, John. I know. That's a lot to ask. Neither of which I'm particularly good at, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's... You know, going back to the Fire Phone, I think... You know, it's not in the rundown, but... Samsung kind of slyly announced that their first Tizen phone... The... I think it was the Galaxy Z or something... uh, Got delayed... Kind of indefinitely. Uh, They didn't say that, but that's what people are speculating, because... Tizen just can't isn't a platform that's ready for prime time. There aren't apps, it's not fully developed, Um, and it looks like Tizen's falling by the wayside. So I guess my question is, is Fire Fire OS next? It It doesn't make sense for a company to build their own mobile operating system, even if it's a fork of Android, because it really is. Let's be honest, it's barely a fork of Android. It doesn't have Google Apps. It doesn't have the Play Store. It doesn't look anything like Android. You know, so so I guess my question is: Does it make sense for these companies to build their own software, or should they just give in and use Android?
2: It made sense for Amazon for the tablet, right? That's worked out pretty well. Do we? Do they know? Do, does Amazon tell us anything?
0: Um, no, they're very cagey about their figures. But I've been under the understanding that people people who own Kindle Fires use a lot of Amazon features and not a ton of apps. Because the app experience isn't strong.
2: Sure, but how many people who own Android tablets use apps anyways? Because there are none. <laughs> I mean, uh, fair enough, I but know.
1: I mean, they probably use some apps, right? Like,
2: or is it just email and browser? I don't know. I guess they
1: they could be. Well, and of know.
0: course, every device has that core set of your Netflixes and your you know. I mean, that's. I don't think that's surprising. But no, I think that's a fair point on tablets. I don't think the same goes for phones.
2: Yeah, there's something a little... The phone's a more complicated problem than a tablet, which makes it surprising that Apple did the phone first, now that I think about it that way. But there's so much less that a tablet has to do than a phone. For one thing, being a phone uh, and making phone calls. Yep. I would say taking pictures but uh, My everyday experiences In New York consistently Prove me otherwise Yeah and I, I don't think the, the Fire phone is going to fly It might Burn out if you will Ha ha ah, uh, But I think they're going to keep doing <laughs> it For a while
1: Yeah I think you're probably right
0: It's uh It's because why not I mean, I'll I'll, rem- I'll remind you. You know, do you remember the first Kindle, the very first Kindle?
2: Yeah, it, it was, was like r- a, it was geometric.
0: It, it was, was blocky. It, it was very unattractive. It had a web browser, an MP3 player on it. It had all this extra crap on it, and it wasn't a particularly compelling device. And it wasn't until the next iteration where Amazon figured out what the device needed to be. So, there is precedence to say Amazon could figure out what they've done wrong and turn it around. The problem is, I think, smartphones, because a smartphone a smartphone is two years of your life, basically. I mean, in the U.S., we're still on that kind of contract schedule. You buy a phone, you have it for two yes. years. A tablet, you may not, right? You know? Yep. So, I think the commitment to a phone is much higher. And so, if a customer buys a Kindle Fire tablet and isn't satisfied, they may go back in the future. But I think if someone buys a Kindle Fire phone, it doesn't like it and hates it for two years and learns to hate it, they will not only hate it, but they will tell all their friends for two years how much they hate it, and they will post online about how much they hate it.
1: So, so I think I think the other thing is that like, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like the first Kindle was sort of like e-readers were not a big deal at at that time. Like, so Amazon had a little leeway. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they had some time to get it right. Like the first yeah. iPhone was not as cool as the iPhone today, but it was like the first of its kind. So Apple had some time to get it right. Um, Amazon coming into the phone game now, they don't have any time to get it right. They're way behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, like, I I don't see it taking off unfortunately.
2: Well, what about we didn't see Windows Phone taking off either when they revamped that with Windows Phone 7 System 3 or whatever the heck it was. But that found its niche in some markets. Could this that, also do that?
1: But That's true, but I feel like I mean, I guess maybe the question then is how how much like blood, sweat, and tears is Amazon willing to put into this? Because uh, Microsoft has certainly put a lot of like at least money i mean i mean it's been years
0: (laughs) yeah i mean to to colby i would say you know amazon will not give up i I do not think they're Mm. just going to fold and never make a phone again will the next phone look anything like the current one maybe not Uh, i don't think it's for them a matter of money they've come right out and said we're going to lose money on this thing so i think they're committed but as far as the windows phone comparison When Windows Phone 7 came out, the new Metro version, what have you, people actually liked it. Now, it may not have been consumers' first choice. It may not have even been developers' first choice. But at least people said, we like where they're going. Which I think is a big difference, right? Because if you start with something solid that people, even if it's just reviewers or critics or some developers, as long as they like it, there's room for growth, right? Then they tell other people they like it, it starts getting press, builds buzz, grows over time. But when you come out with something that everyone says, this is kind of lame, don't buy it, not interested, doesn't have much potential, nothing interesting, you know, it's a much, much steeper hill to climb.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's
2: fair. That was me. Sorry. Who are you dialing? (laughs) I pressed, I was, I was, I was saving a file still a long story. Saving a file, and I had my focus on the Skype window, and I pressed 7 to put today's date into the file name, and it started dialing. That's good hard. to know, though, because I can just do that. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so Now daunting? I can't stop. Oh. Wow, that was, pain- that was like nails on a <laughs>
0: chalkboard. I apologize to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> to our listeners. <laughs> Me too. I didn't realize
2: that that would happen. That was I'm going to really stop mean. pressing buttons now. Yeah, it only ends to bad things. Um, like that one time, probably about a year ago, where I accidentally banned everyone from the. From
1: uh, that the, was uh, my favorite from Google Hangouts. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> when you weren't you yourself as well, I did.
0: Uh, oh, good times. Although, still not as good as we did an entire first half of the show with my microphone muted. That was that was a fun one.
1: That was Oops. recent.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're so good at this. Um, all right, well, let's talk about another Amazon story. This is a uh, loosely supported rumor. Um, but My favorite kind of rumors. Isn't it? Uh, how about an Amazon card reader? Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, maybe you're familiar with the uh, the company Square. Uh, it's not just a shape. It's also a way to accept payments if you're a business or a human being. Uh, it, the way it works is you get a little Businesses swipe. are
2: people, Sean.
0: Yeah, well, then you're probably familiar with the little device you get. You plug it into your phone <laughs> or tablet, you swipe the credit card through, um, and do-do-do, it rings you up. Um, a lot of small, independent businesses uh, use it. Uh, Colby, I know your mother's store uses Square, correct?
1: Yep. Yeah, Do you want true. to give
0: her a plug on air?
1: <laughs> <laughs> get her some Facebook likes <laughs> or something? Yeah, uh... Maybe. I don't know what her Facebook
2: page is called. Oh <laughs> <Maybe, laughs> uh, my god. Yeah.
1: I set you up no, for this. You did. You could have warned me that you were gonna oh, set me right. up. <laughs> <laughs> um so, but, so her her Facebook page is uh Oh god, it she doesn't have one of the vanity URL things, does she? <laughs> okay. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, on Facebook, you can search for R E colon discover, but colon and the the, the symbol,
0: word. not the word. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Colon
1: the to... symbol, not the word. Okay. Um, and they sell local and repurposed art and other stuff in Northern Rhode Island. So and yeah. th- using
0: squ- using square, but they may start using uh amazon well amazon is rumored to be coming out (laughs) with their own card reader and point of sale system uh it would work with kindle fire tablets um expected not to work with ios or amazon um amazon would try to focus on small retailers with a low cost solution um now, Amazon already has a payments platform. If you're familiar with Amazon Payments, if you've ever, like, pay with PayPal, there's that pay with Amazon button. Um, they also released a bare-bones mobile wallet app last week where you can store uh, gift cards and loyalty cards on your phone. Um, it's not a particularly interesting product, uh, the mobile what? wallet. Is um, it just called the
2: Amazon Mobile Wallet?
0: It is called... Uh I will get you the official name here. Uh, I don't want to call it but it is Amazon Wallet app.
2: Amazon oh, and wallet it's wallet app.
0: And it's for uh, <laughs> Pro it's,
2: tip, searching for Amazon space anything that's an actual real world noun <laughs> does not get you what you want. Well it does if you're looking for wallets on Amazon.
0: Uh you can get the Amazon Wallet beta app on your Android phone through Google Play and the Amazon App Store, not available for iOS. Um, you can scan and save cards with your phone, see gift card balances, and use loyalty cards, uh, but there's many other apps that already do this, so, including Google Wallet. Um, so, what do you guys think of the, um, now, I will say the projected launch date for this is August 12th. Um, any thoughts on Amazon's payments?
2: I think that Amazon, from, as from a developer standpoint, Amazon's uh, Amazon's payment system is really good. They, you can do things with it you can't do anywhere else. Uh, the so like Kickstarter uses Amazon payments because it allows you to do something. Is it uh, not?
1: Is it not? Like cash out all at the end or something
2: like right. You can like you can schedule a payment and but not uh process it until a set date uh things like that. So I would be I bet Amazon could do really well at this, much better than they do at a phone for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. This seems more up their alley than well. Totally. I I guess they have a tablet, but like this is. I don't know, like retail stuff is like their thing, so maybe.
0: But then but then let me ask, you know, we we've covered on this show before, uh, Square struggling to stay afloat on the meager margins they get on credit card transactions. See um,
1: Amazon's Amazon all about that. problem. Afloat. Though. Right. <laughs> It's It's all about with... staying
2: afloat on meager margins,:
0: So you think yeah. they, by scale and, and force, can make it up, so then what so yeah. if they're not in it for the profit, what's the advantage? The fact that they're getting people in their system using storing their credit cards with Amazon and and sending purchases through Amazon?
2: Just sending collecting data through Amazon What if yeah, what if Amazon not only knew all the stuff you bought on Amazon, which is probably a lot, but also everything else?
1: what dan said
0: (laughs) see now i'm gonna pitch my crazy idea right because i know exactly how amazon makes us a 100 percent sure success amazon comes out and says if you're a business of this size or smaller so maybe 10 employees or less right your small businesses they will waive the credit card fees now amazon's been known to do this right where they will give things away even at cost to them to make back money later on other things. Now, a good way to do that would be, and I'm going to use, you know, a a small bookstore as an example. They could say, we will waive your fees if you use Amazon for your in-store transactions if you become a member of Amazon Marketplace and sell your goods on our website. Mm. Am I crazy to think of a plan like that? I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, (laughs) I just think if Amazon comes out and says, we're going to give you a little swiper for your Kindle Fire and you can now take credit cards. I don't know if that's a compelling enough device or reason.
2: But that, uh...
0: I mean, what, they'd have to give away the Kindle Fires and the swipers. I just, I don't, I mean, I realize small businesses want to, want to be able to take credit cards and do things like that. I just think there's so many other avenues. I don't know how, is it just because they're Amazon?
2: But if. Well. Why would they want to use it, you mean?
0: Yeah, why would a small business say, I'm going to put all my payments through Amazon? What can Amazon so do to be that? If you to a this? small
2: business and you were already ordering things on Amazon with getting your. Uh, they're not called expense reports. Invoices through there. You can do business ordering through Amazon, you've already got hmm. all that set up. Maybe you're already selling things over the uh, Amazon warehouse. Is that what they call it? Amazon third-party marketplace, whatever it is. Amazon marketplace. Maybe you're already selling things over that. You've already got your payment information entered. You've already got your invoicing system all worked out with the Amazon API. Now you can just get rid of that cash register and just have this. And now everything's on Amazon.
0: That's interesting. And that's the direction Square's taking, where they're trying to be more than just swipe a credit card, collect money. Um, so you think Amazon could position themselves as an
2: end-to-end business solution? Yeah, I mean, at that I point, think... they already would be. You can run a business and sell entirely through Amazon right now. But there are some um, businesses... What if you're a coffee shop? Right, so I don't think that's necessarily the target market. They wouldn't say no to that kind of business.
0: But, but you think it's going to be for goods and services that people can then sell both in their stores and through Amazon?
2: Right,
1: and it I would I mean, make it th-
2: easy to do both
1: i th- I think Dan mentioned this, but like there are already like businesses that sell their stuff on Amazon, mm-hmm. um be it books or you know whatever. you can buy lots of things third party, but through Amazon, so like I, it it seems pretty logical thinking about it that way that it would be easier for those businesses to put their physical like their in-store stock through Amazon too to mm-hmm. just have one one thing like they're already there right and then that's just more it's it's just more market share for amazon right like even if no one new uses it even if you're the that mom and pop coffee shop down the street uses square instead like i don't know it's it's i could i could see that being a, a thing for a thing that they would want and also like a thing that retailers that sell on Amazon would want, too.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
2: I'm bullish on this.
0: Bullish on Amazon card reader payments thing? Uh, You can see that in mid-August, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, Where'd you guys like to go next?
2: Did Uh, we finish up all the Amazon stuff now? Yeah. uh, We did. Looks like we're pretty good. Hmm. We
0: could Verizon's talk. Well, yeah. there you go. This is kind of a quick story. Uh, Verizon never used to throttle their unlimited 4G LTE customers. Yes, at some point there were 4G LTE unlimited customers. You can't get that anymore. Um, I've it's never interesting. Heard
1: this story before.
0: I <laughs> I, I heard a, I heard a statistic <laughs> the other day. Something like AT and T smartphone subscribers forty. It's something like forty percent of them are still on unlimited plans, which haven't been available in years. People cling to it like it's, you know, the the last piece of bread in the vast wasteland, but... (laughs) It um, is.
1: It was probably great for them, because those people were paying, like, $15 a month more than they had to.
0: Well, uh, if you're legacy 4G LTE Unlimited on Verizon, they're going to start slowing you down, but only if you meet the following criteria. Are you ready? You have to be a 4G LTE smartphone user on an unlimited data plan. You also have to be in the top five percent of all Verizon users for data. As of March, hitting four point seven gigabytes in a single month would put you over it. And you have to be a month to month customer. Now most people would be this because if you still have they won't re sign you for two years on an unlimited plan, so you'd just be on month to month. If you're under contract, then they can't technically do this. Ah, uh, this begins October first. I mean, I I don't really see a problem with this. To be completely honest, I know I know I want
2: to say I can't believe they're throttling, but <laughs> haven't they I mean, always I, been doing it, this? Isn't throttling always been the thing that happens when you go well, over like the limit that you get? Like, oh, you have I mean, like four gigabytes a month. It was definitely
1: something that AT and T did um, with yeah. the unlimited plans. But that that
2: was for 3G. I mean, that was a while ago. And in fact, in New Zealand, this is what a uh, land I- ISP is do. Yeah. Because uh, the internet is so, the infrastructure is not amazing there. So you have a cap on your cable, and you go over um, it, and you get throttled down to like 200 yeah. kilobits per second or whatever it was. Mm-hmm.
1: So this not is this that's that's what T-Mobile does if you go over your data plan like. Instead isn't that of what most
2: do like i've never heard of anyone just oh, they not they
1: probably do but like all the the other carriers charge you more like you you if you go over you have to pay for more data they might throttle you too oh, you
2: know. oh oh yeah okay i like the t-mobile version of that way better yeah so
0: uh let me ask you guys because i'm curious how much how much data do you do you use in a month on your phone do you oh. do you know
1: uh I think I can tell you. My phone has that shape. Oh I can I can see all my usage on T Mobile.
0: I'm just I'm just curious. I mean I know off the top of my head I, I don't think I've ever used more than a gigabyte in a month. It's usually around five hundred megabytes, but I'll go I'll go up depending on the month, but I've never used over a gigabyte in a single month.
1: Really?
0: Um and that's just because I'm on Wi Fi at home, at work, uh when we were at school, I was just on Wi Fi a lot. I didn't use a lot of 3G. And I'm still on three G. I'm still on my 4S, So um, that's not even four G. But I'd be curious because most plans these days shoot for that two gigabyte, right? That's kind of if you're in a family plan, they start you at two gigabytes per line. If you know that that's sort of your benchmark these days is two gigabytes a month, and I never even hit half that. But that's just me.
2: Um geez, I had to so fill out this whole thing when I signed to Verizon now. Please select your security image. Create a name for your selected security image. <laughs> but uh, don't tell us what the
0: security image is, Dan. We don't want to hack your account.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and they change so the security questions every time. What is the name of a memorable place? That's a question. You you should just sure. put like the the, the, the St. Louis Arch.
1: <laughs> All right, I can answer your question, Sean. Okay. Um, In June, so May 25th to June 25th, I used 2.2 2 gigs. Um, <clears throat> June 25th to July 25th, I used 3.2 gigs. Right. Um, and so far this month, I've used... Which is something? Uh, like 200 gigs because mm. it just started
0: I interesting did. now are you are you on an unlimited plan
1: i am yeah i also tether Fram- every Fram-ly day plan? on the bus there you what? go no i'm are on my family plan no it's just me
2: i'm, just I'm riding solo,
1: <laughs> if you will <laughs>
2: how can i uh verizon how can i see past billing cycles this might take to the end of the show too. all right well anyways whatever this month Cycle ends uh, in five days. I have used uh, 0.801 gigabytes.
0: Interesting. So it's fair to say you you would use a
2: gigabyte or less this month. Out of four gigabytes, uh, both the phones on the account have used 1.6. Five days left in the cycle. So less than halfway through five days left.
0: Well, and I guess this goes back to my argument that people who freak out about unlimited plans... I think only, like, very few of them actually should freak out about unlimited plans. Like, if you are constantly traveling and constantly streaming and tethering and using 10 gigabytes a month, well, that's one thing. Mm. But I feel like for 95% of people, even 2 gigabytes, I think, is not, is not the end of the world. And if you really need more, I don't even think you would need any more than 4. Or am I crazy?
1: I just don't know. I, mean, I just don't well, know
0: why people insist on clinging to these unlimited plans.
1: So I will say, if you're using if you're using it for like Netflix or something, it it goes up shockingly fast. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're watching Netflix over your tethering, it's probably especially, but even over your phone, if you're using it for stuff like that, it goes up super fast. Um, because I have been like traveling and like watched you know one episode of a tv show in my hotel room and like you know there was like a, a one gigabyte jump in my in my usage in like 10 minutes because mm-hmm. you know i just streamed a, an hd episode of you know a 45 minute episode um so like i could see that what that I I like to imagine that the people who are really nervous about it are people who use it for stuff like that. I mean, you could you could probably get away with doing it for as your primary internet connection. Oh mode. yeah. Like, if you were dedicated, like I wouldn't do that personally because I like a little more reliability from my yeah from my oh, phone. Man. But
2: like, on the other hand, I'm gonna while you're talking, I'm gonna look up what my cable usage is.
0: Can, does oh, does yeah. your
2: ISP track how much? Uh... Yep, that's interesting. I think it's it's out of some exorbitantly high number cap, uh, but they do track it. That's interesting. Because if I remember correctly,
0: at some point, and I don't know if it was the specific one you were talking about, Dan, but I know three hundred gigabytes is the number that comes to mind, where in some of these countries they start capping you. Three
2: hundred yeah. gigabytes a month. Oh, that New Zealand was much less than that. Oh, I'm
0: sure, but I think in much like less. in more uh, internet connected places that have caps, uh, that 300 number comes to mind.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I have a cap. It doesn't say, but in July, I've used 157 gigabytes on my my landline so far. Interesting.
0: So we're we're going to be okay.
2: Yeah, we'll certainly On what?
0: <laughs> on our meager data rations given to us by our <laughs> carrier overlords. Yeah, yeah. Lucky
2: us. Well, I feel like someday it has to come around, and there won't be, like, do we think there'll be a day where a cable box is like not having like y- using a cable? You don't won't have Wi-Fi anymore. Just all of your div- devices will be 4G. Um, like ten years, ten years from now.
0: I well it's kind of, think of landlines versus mobile phones right we've seen yeah. people dumping landlines like crazy but still only 40 percent I think it's something like only 40 percent of homes are mobile only
2: that's 40 percent that that would, that would meet my criteria
0: Well then yes I absolutely think that could So you come think 40
2: percent five ten years from now 40 percent of people won't have uh, cable I, modems.
0: I mean, I've I've read stories about and I know this is a specific case, but I've read stories about people who live in very rural areas who don't have cable connected to their homes, but someone bothered to put up a 4G tower and they use that perfectly fine as their internet. Now, of course, they're an extreme case but I think the question is going to become, for most people, cost and speed. You know, I, I get... I'm having a hell of a time streaming tonight's show for no good reason because I'm getting, at best, half a megabit up. At yeah. best, you know, so I don't know what the rate is on 4G these days, but if it were even slightly faster, I'd be using it, you know, and then it's cost. I think that's the other side. But right. that's an interesting I'm satisfied.
2: thought. I want, I, yeah, I think that's going to happen. Just the way I see things going. I don't Less. know if it'll be, I don't know if it'll be 4G though, maybe five or 6G. Or, well, whatever, wireless. It'll be a, a tower that you do not own, right? But permeates the walls of your house. I think. I mean, that's I crazy.
1: Think logistically, wireless at some point will probably be become less expensive to to maintain mm-hmm. for the carriers or ISPs or whoever, right? I mean, I have wireless internet now. It's fucking microwaves. <laughs> Whoa!
0: Care. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, all right, well, we have time for one more story, um, or we can just move on to picks. So any
2: last thoughts? Foursquare? Question mark? We yeah, can... talk about Foursquare a little bit.
0: We can talk about Foursquare. Uh, this week, an early look, uh, was published on the new Foursquare. We've talked about this previously on the show. Uh, back in mid-May, seems so long ago. Uh, Foursquare decided they were going to split their app in two, creating a brand new app called Swarm, which featured uh, check ins and connections with friends and what they're up to, and the new Foursquare, which was based on uh, location information and recommendations. They released the Swarm app first and said at some point in the coming months we will release the new Foursquare app. Well, roughly that day has arrived. Now, the new Foursquare (laughs) app isn't out yet, uh, but it will be out in the coming weeks. Um, there was a little bit of a uh, preview launched. Uh, we've seen their new logo, um, which I think is much better than the Airbnb naughty parts. Um, hey,
2: hey <laughs> I like the Airbnb naughty parts. I couldn't I couldn't let that one go. Um,
0: so let me read off some interesting things about the new design. Um, and then I want to talk about what you guys have thought of Swarm so far. Um, a new feature in the new Foursquare is a most popular module, uh, that lets users see what places nearby are hot right now. Um, they're still able to check, uh, track check-ins through Swarm, so they'll still be able to use it in the Foursquare app. Um, they, it's a completely new visual redesign, and you can check in via Swarm through the app, where you click in, and it will take you to the Swarm app. Um what's another interesting thing is for Foursquare and Swarm will have separate friend lists. Um the idea being that Foursquare will let you follow people and tastemakers, while Swarm will let you pick uh people like your friends who you want to share your location
2: with. Never even thought about that. That's so cool. Because I there are people that I've wanted I've thought about friending on Foursquare. But I never have, because they're, like, pseudo-famous. And, mm-hmm. I like, I'm not actually <laughs> their friends. But well, it's, I... your,
0: it's that Twitter versus Facebook argument, right? I follow my friends on Facebook. I follow thought yeah. leaders on Twitter. Like me. Like like Dan Miller. <laughs> uh, so, basically, they're focusing on their two main strengths, check-ins and local recommendations. It's them into two apps. Uh, it's got a completely new look that I'm not going to bother trying to describe. Let's just say it looks kind of like how apps look these days. Um,
2: <laughs> And this is coming in the coming weeks uh, Now I wanted to talk about this partially because, You know it's funny because I know exactly What it looks like now Yeah <laughs> I mean, it's not
0: It's not revolutionary but it is an improvement Over the old one and um, You know we've talked about this on the show before And I think several of us are in agreement that The Foursquare has some of the better recommendations And tips over things like uh, TripAdvisor Or Yelp maybe that's my opinion, but I find the recommendations. I also think Foursquare does a really great job. Uh, they call it their Pilgrim Location Engine, but that's where how they know you're at a place without you having to do anything, right? Have you seen that on your phones, where it just says, "Oh, nearby this place, try this," yeah. um, which I think I find works
1: really well. Um, yeah, me too. But and it, what's it weird... works well, like even in um, like. I mean, it works well in the city, right? It works well mm-hmm. in congested places, uh, which I think is is especially impressive. I don't know, maybe how? Do you, what do you think about that, Dan? Like in in NYC, like?
2: Um, it seems it works really well, and it seems to only pop up when it should. I can't yeah. really. I can't really, like, it doesn't just pop up and I'm walking down the street. It's almost like it can tell if you're lingering for a little bit, and then it figures maybe he stopped at a place, and he might be interested in another place nearby. Uh, The thing it often tells me is that, oh, your friend so-and-so was at this place near here. Or, often, another frequent thing that happens is, I'll not have forgotten to check-in, and I'll be like, oh, are you at this pizza place? Your friend, you know, John, checked in here three weeks ago and left a tip, and that's like, oh, holy crap, that's great! I would like to read that tip, and I'll check in while I'm there. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I then uh, I, uh, I like it. Go ahead, Trent.
0: I, I think, but what's really, I'm so sick of seeing on Twitter people bitching about how much they hate the, you know, the changes with Foursquare, and they don't like Swarm, and they've ruined the Foursquare experience, and I'm so angry and. Swarm currently has a one and a half star rating on the iOS app store. Um, So I want to ask you guys, now that uh, I know you guys both use Swarm, uh, and now that we have a better picture of what the new Foursquare is going to look like, did they wreck Foursquare?
1: Um, So I will say, like, the Foursquare app minus check-ins is, like, pretty terrible. It (laughs) it it was like it's it's like clearly optimized for check-in ish things, to some extent, and it feels like that feels really check-in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just feels like like really goofy and silly. Um. So I I think there's a a big chunk of the equation that is missing, and I thought so for a while I was worried that I wouldn't use Foursquare because. I only use Foursquare because I was going to Foursquare to check in, but that has turned out to not be the case. Like, I, it's still my go-to when I need to like find a place to eat. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I like Swarm. My one of my roommates started using Swarm, so even even like, which is awesome because like I can find out if he's back from work yet, or I can like, if he's out somewhere and he checked in, like. I can I can text him and be like, oh dude, you know I want to go there too or something or even just like even knowing just to be honest the the best thing is like just knowing whether or not he's in the city or he's still at work because um, mm-hmm. it does the passive like the passive neighborhood sharing or whatever and he works mm-hmm. in South Bay too so um, yeah I don't know I I don't think they've ruined it and I think I think check-ins got objectively got slightly more useful um so i'm interested to see if foursquare itself gets more useful because i want it to be more useful because i wish like one of the things i really liked was like lists and things in foursquare and i they were kind of like a a a tertiary feature almost Mm -hmm. um because they're like that about it I I like to use lists in Foursquare, yes.
2: Oh. oh.
1: Um But but they were always like the lists I wanted like my custom lists were always like three menus away. Like they were hidden way in the back. Um which I didn't like. So I think maybe there'll be more room for stuff like that now that, that Foursquare is a real thing. Or or the the Recommendation Yelpy stuff is its own thing.
2: Yeah, I'm. Oh, everyone in New York, not everyone, a lot of. <laughs> more people in New York use Foursquare than I'd bet anywhere else. And I use it, and because people are using it, it's super helpful. The swarm thing, I, I find that I use swarm more than Foursquare, I think. Uh, just because I check in at a bunch of places though if I'm looking for something to do I'll use Foursquare first before Yelp just because I like the interface better and my f- it surfaces my friends better also uh, I use the lists too in foursquare so if someone tells me about something instead of writing it in my to- do app and then hoping to remember to go to it later I'll just put it right in the to-do list on foursquare and then Swarm will tell me when I'm near the place on my to-do list, which is super helpful.
1: Mm. Nice.
0: Yeah, I I was just on vacation in southern New Jersey, and we were looking <laughs> for places to eat, and I tried Yelp, and it sucked. I, it really... Yelp is miserable. And I think it's mostly because I think the reviews are miserable. I really... And that's why I like the tip... ...rather than the review. Right? right? Because reviews are so subjective, but to me... ...a tip is specific enough where it's not... ...that place sucked! But it's really specific and you say... ...get this, don't get this. I think that's really valuable and... ...my main point in all this is... ...this is like my open letter... ...Dear everyone who bitches about Swarm... ...get over it. It's not that bad. I realize it's different. You'll be happy... <laughs> just get over it i'm really there there are a few people who just constantly are just bitching and i'm like get over it it's a good thing think about we we are living in an age of the app spinoff really mm-hmm. i mean we, and we've talked about this you know do i want facebook messenger inside the main facebook app not really i use it completely differently they're not at all the same so spin it off into a different app now that's not always going to make sense but i think in Foursquare's case There are two main things, the check-in social aspect and the recommendations aspect.
2: Mm. And
0: yes, they should share a backbone. They should talk to one another, but they don't need to be the same app. So, I mean, I've actually enjoyed using Swarm. Um, I actually like checking in with Swarm better than I ever did in Foursquare. Uh, I agree. I think Foursquare really screwed up in spacing out these app launches, personally. I mean, I think I, I, I understand on paper why they did it. It just failed in, in practicality. And and that's what it is. And you don't wait months between apps because you're just going to get people angry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it was also a, like... Like, they probably... You know, they didn't... Maybe their timeline was off for when Foursquare would be ready. Um, And it's, like... At the same time as, like, waiting seems questionable, it, it would probably be worse to, to release, like a half baked version of Foursquare. Right. Um when they're doing something so controversial than it would be to uh like release it a month or two late and have it work. Um, I agree. Yeah. I so reading through through these reviews though, man, that might, I, I, I hope those guys can keep their heads up. But most yeah. of them like these reviews are so like Classic like reactionary BS reviews. Like, why did it change? <laughs> I hate it. One star. Um, but like the the ones, it's either like one stars or five stars. Like the five star reviews are like OMG and not creepy implementation of where my friends are. Um, and I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I hope I hope they can power through it. <laughs> I think I think I really things like will
0: it. get a, I think things will get better when the new app comes out. Personally. I, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic for them because I think people are going to finally get it when they can see the two side by side.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but that's wait and see, and that's coming in the, the coming weeks, and we'll report back. Uh, I'm sure one of us will do a kind of review or something of it when it comes out, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to move on to picks this week. We've got a couple of really good ones. Uh, I'm going to jump in first, and we've got some actual hardware uh, that I picked. I was in the market for a wallet. I used to just carry all my cards and cash loosely in my pocket, which is probably a terrible thing to do. I'm surprised that I managed to not lose anything. And so I was in the market for a wallet and my first thought was I should go to Etsy and look for a wallet. But then I realized <laughs> I'm not the customer for the $95 handmade leather wallet. Some people are. I'm not. Personally, I don't even really like wallets which was why I spent so much time going through and looking at different ones and um, why I used to carry things in my pocket. But so I did. What's want- your max
2: budget for a wallet, Sean?
0: I won't spend any more than $40. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, and here I'm right, sure they're that's on. on Etsy, Dan. I know. I'm sure. You, you keep going. I'll look. I also didn't want to wait. This wallet came to me in like five days. Oh, um, so, I did a lot of research and I ended up at The Dash Wallet, which is at DashWallets.com. If you've heard of them before, it was probably through Kickstarter. Uh, That was where they got their start. The version one was a couple years ago uh, on a $10,000 goal. They raised about $60,000. This is now their version three, and I've got it right here. My my little Dash Wallet. Um, I went with the uh, brown faux leather, uh, which actually is nice for faux leather uh it, it's plasticky but it's not trying to be leather it just is what it is um <laughs> honestly no because you know, you know okay. what i'm talking johnny about.
2: i've description <laughs> it's leather without trying to be, wants leather. to be there
0: um so i mean just a quick walk through you can see it's very small here i'll hold it up against my uh iphone as a size comparison so you can see it's you know uh, uh, about the same size uh in terms of thickness it's a 4S, so it's a little thicker, forgive me. Um, in the front, you have two main pockets. you got kind of the smaller front pocket there uh, where I keep uh, my cash, and then you have uh, a card pocket there at the top as well. Um, and then on the flip side, you kind of have a top-loading card slot. So right now in here, I've got maybe six or eight cards and uh, a few bills, and it still remains pretty thin uh, i've only used it for a couple days it, it hasn't been here long, but so far i've been really satisfied The goal for a wallet i kind of i'm not a fan of the bifold uh personally I kind of like something that I can just slip stuff in and out of really quickly that 's why I liked it loose in my pocket um, and so far, this has done the job um, it is twenty five dollars, which I think is a good price for what you get uh It seems well constructed like i said I've only had it for a little while so um, long-term prospects, I'm not sure, but it's been very successful on Kickstarter. It's a very highly reviewed wallet. Um, you know, do your research. It may not be for you, but so far I've been satisfied. It's the Dash Wallet at DashWallets.com. Uh, Get the leather that feels like leather, but it's not leather. Leather wallet. <laughs> if that made any sense. Cool. Um, now for you guys, we've got a couple of uh, of podcast apps.
2: Oh, that's sure. true. That's true. This
0: is exciting. Uh,
2: Dan, why don't we have you go first? We teased right. this last week. Yeah, we, we teased it last week in our uh, podcast sound-off. Uh, but I've been using Overcast for over a week now. And it has been pretty great. I I was using Casts, I think. That might have been renamed to something else. Pocket Casts, original. Pocket Casts. You, yeah, that thing. Mm-hmm. And that was okay, but... Uh, I didn't really use it to do much and the cops are totally buzzing out my <laughs> pick here. Uh I didn't really use it to do much. I just like signed uh, subscribed to a podcast and downloaded it. If I wanted to subscribe to a new one, I would use the search thing. Hopefully it was on there. Otherwise, I'd paste the URL in. The best part about so uh, bef- the best part about Overcast for me is that all the features are really discoverable. So i found myself making my podcast listening better. Like I actually made a playlist and I use it and I ordered the podcast. So like if this podcast is available, and this is all very easy to do. You say, if this podcast is available, then it has this priority or otherwise it doesn't show up. So I ordered my podcasts in terms of which are the most important. And if they're there, I just like open up the app press on my playlist and it'll just start playing with whatever it has according to my stuff which sounds like a lot of work It's like oh, but you know I know what my order is why don't I just tap ones myself? It, you'd be surprised at how much easier this is uh, but it also has other things that other people care about way more than I do. Uh, the, the coolest one is probably the smart speed thing where it dynamically shortens silences in shows so if there's a silence, as we often have here, this would probably greatly improve the listening of this podcast to our listeners. It'll just cut it out, and it'll save the time. So the, the playtime of the podcast will actually be shorter than the length of the MP3, which is pretty cool. They also have this voice boost thing uh, to normalize volumes. So if you've ever been listening to a podcast and it's too soft, and then it's too loud. I find this is really a problem in cars, but I don't drive anymore, so this isn't really a problem for me. But if I were still driving, I bet this would be great because, you know, people have different voices and the post isn't always that great or non-existent in our case. Uh, so overcast.fm is the website. There's a link to the App Store. It's uh, iPhone only, probably forever. Uh, it's free for all the features except maybe playlists. Uh, Playlist, Smart Seed, and Voice Boost are not free, I don't think. Um oh the other thing is people who use Overcast can sign in with can link their Twitter account and then you can recommend entire podcasts or specific shows mm. so now I get this feed of specific shows that people I follow on Twitter who use this app have recommended which is really great because it's hard a lot of times to just say oh this show is so great you know, for, like, the morning show where it's pretty much the same thing every day, that's fine. But for, like, you know, Ruby Rogues, you, you want to start off with something so you get a good feel of what it can be. You're not going to want to listen to every episode, probably. So the Discovery feature is probably my favorite feature. More so than Smart Speed, Voice Boost, or Playlists. So that's my pick. Overcast.fm
0: very good very good i uh, i don't want to hijack your pick but i did want to just jump in uh i used overcast for a combined 12 hours in the car going back and forth to new jersey um and i've used pocket cast for a long time nothing wrong with pocket cast but i absolutely agree i think overcast is uh excellent um i think it's really good at my favorite features i do use the smart speed um and i actually think it is smart and I think it does a really good job I've I've tried just regular fast forwarding but you know it's just enough to really get things moving um and to get you through your shows and um I think the other thing I really like is you know it is a 1.0 product um they have been absurdly responsive to feedback and feature requests and fixes and uh I like apps that do that especially when they're so fresh where people have said man it'd be really cool if you could do this and they go okay well not this release the next release and then they actually do it so mm-hmm. um any app like that i think is worth my four ninety nine. so um yeah I, I think it's definitely worth trying
1: cool yeah Very I, cool. I wish i could try it because i don't have an oh. iPhone. oh that's oh. right oh. Oh. i to be uh, honest I've, I've been i've been thinking about switching my work phone to an iphone and and because like i don't even turn on i haven't turned on my work phone in three months because i hate that samsung so much (laughs) it's dead it's the battery is deader than dead it's just wasting away on my desk um but now colby
0: i'm confused because your pick this week is an ios app no it's not i'm i'm looking at the website
1: they have both Oh, it doesn't
0: it says no it just says available on the App Store. It doesn't say anywhere on here Google Play.
1: Am I am uh, I wrong? On mine it says it has both. It says App Store and Google Play. Are you on an iOS device?
0: No, I'm on my laptop. This is weird.
1: I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're doing something crazy. Maybe they know that you use iOS.
0: What a twist. Okay, well, my apologies. Why don't you tell us about this multi-platform app?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this morning I woke up, and I was—I woke up a little early, which, yeah, <laughs> I made it. I woke up a little early, so I went down to the coffee shop and got a coffee, and I was like, I had like 15 minutes to kill before I went to my bus. Um, so I took out my phone, and I was looking through Hacker News, and I saw like the top link for a while was like introducing n p r one and I was like, "Well, I like n p r so I clicked on it um <laughs> and so i guess uh and it's', it's so n p r has this new app called n p r one, and I downloaded it i not really knowing what it was, I just downloaded it um and I opened it up, and it was like. All I saw was a screen with like KQED on it which was the or I had to sign in. I signed in with like Facebook or something. Um and it opened up and there was a screen with KQED and a play button and a a, a forward and back back button and I hit play and I was just I was listening to 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 the live stream of KQED. It was perfect. It was literally amazing. The stream was so good. It didn't it did not like poop out the whole time like i listened to it from that that second till like i got on the bus drove all the way to menlo park got out like got breakfast sat went to my desk i listened to this until like one thirty in the afternoon non-stop um and it was perfect i don't even know if the app has other features um but it was it was great and like so one one thing the last the last couple months, my my phone has increasingly become like my primary music thing. So, or or I guess audio thing. Um, so like I I got so tired of like iTunes and its lack of any sort of syncing, um, and the like Pocket Cast doesn't have a desktop option. So I just. I just started listening to it on my phone and then like, I mean, I might as well just listen to Spotify on my phone too. Um, So I basically listened to everything on my phone and I I kind of like, for a while I I would listen to NPR pretty frequently, but I kind of fell out of it because it's like, it's like mildly annoying. You would have to go to like whatever station you wanted, web player, and like sometimes it worked. Most of the time it worked okay, but it was still like, a weird like silver light web player. Nobody wants that. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty, uh pretty satisfied with this. It was great. Um. I don't like, I don't know. I, I, I later, I'm going to open the app again and see if it does anything else. But, but <laughs> if, at the very least, it lets you listen to your local NPR with, without doing anything. So, that was cool.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. You'll have to give us a uh, follow-up review when you've used more of it. Alright. Very good. Well, uh, guys, excellent show, I thought. Very good. We hope all of you out there enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, we will uh, be back, of course, next week, Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, but... You never know when things change. You should definitely follow us on social media because we tweet and post about it. We are Don't Panic Show on Twitter. uh, And we are Facebook.com slash Don't Panic Show. Uh, Follow us there and you'll get all the updates as they happen. And, of course, you should absolutely subscribe. Get the episodes as soon as they're posted. You can do it on Overcast. Uh, You can't do it on NPR One, but that's okay. Uh, You can get us... Soon, that's right. Uh, Stitcher, iTunes, RSS, subscribe to us on YouTube, get the videos in your feed every week, watch them on your big screen uh, in HD, it's great. Uh, We thank you all for joining us, this has been uh, Don't Panic, and we'll see you next week with more technology? Probably. I don't know, we'll see you then.